Hello. Hello. Did it work? It worked. We're magical. It worked again. The internet is <laughs> unstoppable. I, have a, I love the variety of, of your backgrounds. But you know what? Right now, I love what's happening. It's that you're kind of like fading in and out. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like you're coming out of the Aurora Borealis. <laughs> yeah, it's absurd. I, uh, it brings me too much joy at this point. You know? uh-huh. Hey, uh, at hey. this point, whatever brings you joy. Yeah. Happy anniversary, by the oh, way. Thank you. So, so John is sitting right here next to me. Happy anniversary, John. Thank you, Michael. Christy and I have been married 25 electric years. Yeah. Um, 25? 25 years. That's crazy. I know. It's You know, what's crazier is that we've known each other for 30. That's insane. So, it's, man, yeah. 25, that's like a big deal. I think so. I think, like, we've managed to not kill each other. Yeah, that is a win. Yeah. Uh, so you guys going to party quarantine style? For your- we're party <laughs> quarantine style, which means we're just going to eat more. Yeah, I think that's great. More and watch more sci-fi. Perfect. It's going to be great. It's um, going to be great. That's cool. Well, congratulations, y'all. And I know this means this that Issa's birthday is coming up too, right? Yeah, Issa's birthday is tomorrow. As a matter of fact, what time is it right now? 12.33? Yeah. So in, in exactly about... Yeah, in approximately 24 hours, she will say hello to the world. Okay, fantastic. She'll already be angry, but also hopeful somehow. Oh, yeah. She <laughs> will be angry and with a big heart. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. So we didn't get to eat taco. I mean, you know. Again. <laughs> Again. But the, the, the world is preventing us from enjoying tacos together. I know. It's, um, it's- we need to plan better, Michael. That's true. Maybe that's, maybe that's, that'll be something we can do. We can. Yeah. For next week, it'll be, you know, but we do have our drinks. Yes. And, uh, we, I, uh, that's beautiful skull cup. I'm using my, my Dr. Who mug that John gave me glass that John gave me. Oh, nice. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, oh, it sounds good. We are, (laughs) we are, (laughs) our refrigerator broke. (laughs) Oh, no. Like all times. So we're getting a new one, which is fine. But it's, you know, the apocalypse. Um, yeah. So we did a curbside pickup of a mini fridge. So we're kind of living like we're in college right now until we can get our real refrigerator delivered. A friend, like, let you borrow a... Tar- a Target, actually. Oh, Target. Okay. Uh, so we have essentially now our, our little mini fridge is just beer and Coke. <laughs> that's all you need. It's like, it's like freshman year. It's great. That's, that's all you need. Everything else, you can just have people bring it to you. Yeah. You just um, need the drinks. Yeah. So it's like of all time, whatever. There are far worse problems than having to get a new refrigerator. So Yeah. Issa's car, bro- I mean, Issa's car died. Like the transmission <sighs> is dead. Like of all time, I mean, actually, it's terrible, but I I, th- I don't think there's like a better time for it to happen because they're both on furlough, right? Work, so, I mean, and so like, where are you going to go anyway? Yeah. So at least this gives us time to figure out what you're going to do with the how, car. You know, Michael, for some people, it's not easy to just go buy another car. What weird? Yeah. <laughs> I 
I feel like we should all be using this time to buy new cars and write. I think novels. so too. And what, major wrong? appliances and you yeah. know yeah. stuff like that. Uh, um, well, cool, dude. Uh, this movie that we watched. Yeah. So, okay. Let me say a little bit. We're recording already, right? Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's all it's been recording. Okay. So I'm just going to do like a little, you know, hi everybody. Right. Sarah and tacos, Michael, Christy. Christy. Yeah. We're <laughs> here in COVID-19 times still bringing you the terror and tacos yeah. because we care about you and love you. Exactly. And quite frankly, I miss you, man. Um, I miss you too, man. <laughs> this, this is fucking sucks but hey yeah. at least we get to do this something happens every day where i'm like oh i've got to text michael i've got to text michael and i'm like he's probably sick of me no that's not true <laughs> so okay uh so, so seeing i suggested this movie because tigers seem yes. to be in the zeitgeist right now seriously right yeah i mean like tiger king is a big people hit. are obsessed People are upset. Do you think people would be obsessed with Tiger King if we weren't in a shelter in place? I I don't. Um, I think it still would be. I think a lot of people would still watch it. But no, I do not think it would have reached the its level that it has. It seemed like for a lot of people, the perfect distraction that they needed, like. Yeah. It's so crazy. And this these people are so insane that it just like kind of lets you escape. For oh wow, a bit. you sound like a robot. But I, oh, do I? I'm a robot. Um, is that any better? Fuck. What happened? I don't know. It's I'm it's fine now. I can see you and everything. Oh, you can see me? Yeah. Why can't I see you? Okay. Oh, okay. There you are. Cool. All right. Um so, so you you were saying we're back. Hey, this is great. I think this is actually great. People will know this is what people were dealing with during these times. <laughs> these times. Um, about Tiger King. Kind of the, for a lot of people, the perfect distraction because it's so insane. Mm-hmm. That, and it's kind, it's insane. And I mean, God, these, these people are just bizarre. They're and trash people. Yeah, they are trash people. Let's just say it. They're, they're garbage people. All of them. And it kind of gives you the opportunity. It's so out of the fucking ordinary that you can just kind of want, like, forget about what's going on in the real world for a time. Right. It's a bit of like Schadenfreude, you know, where it's like, at least, at least my life is not. Tiger King. You know, the the thing that I found most astounding, intriguing, disgusting, like one of the things that stands out is the one young woman who gets bit off yes and he manages to convince her to leave the hospital so that he doesn't get in trouble so that he doesn't have to pay fines i'm like these are cults yeah that cults that that was the thing and they are they absolutely are and it's so bizarre because they're cults run by like fucking douchebags yeah (laughs) not that all cult i'm not saying cult leaders are problematic but sometimes you can watch one of them and be like oh that guy's got a lot of charisma i am kind of understand i understand why yeah um these guys i'm like these are just garbage people yeah yeah i mean so you can imagine the, the 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 poor people that are taken in by them what their situation must be must be you know yeah um I, you know, I had no idea that all you needed 
to turn a straight guy gay was crystal like 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 yeah crystal meth yeah a bag of meth and like a tiger i guess a bag of meth and a tiger any straight guy goes gay <laughs> Um, yeah. And so there, obviously there was Tiger King. And then that tiger at the, was it at the Bronx Zoo? Yeah, that caught the, that tested positive yes. for, for, for the virus. So like you said, tigers are in the zeitgeist. Tigers are in the zeitgeist. So I had heard about this movie um, a few months ago, actually, called Tigers Are Not Afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, it's actually from 2017. Um, out of Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, directed by a young female director named Isa Lopez, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Um, and uh, what 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 did you think? I, I man, I I I will. I had a hard time with it, but not in a critical sense. I had a uh-huh. hard time with it, like emotionally. Me too. I thought it was an incredibly effective and affecting movie. Um, and I, it made me really upset. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I was going to ask you, like, do you, yeah, I, I had the same reaction. I was mesmerized from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I, I, everything that she did and her, her storytelling was great. Yeah. Um, visually and, and yeah, maybe like the story maybe was a little underdeveloped, you know, sure. but whatever. Um, but I had trouble by by the time I got to the end. I was, yeah, upset. I was very upset, and uh, I don't know if I would put it. Do you think it's a horror movie? So I think that's a that's a great question. Um, I think there are elements of horror. Um, it, it's funny because there are elements of sort of like the supernatural horror that we might talk about. To me, the true horror of this movie, and I think maybe what I think what she was doing is the true horror of this movie is the the real life situation. Right. It's not the magic involved or the right. natural. Right. Especially for, you know, and it's, you know, especially for a culture that everybody, you know, it's the term that you and I always say, the magical realism thing. <laughs> but especially for a culture whose storytelling tradition is very much steeped in including supernatural elements yeah. in all kinds of storytelling. Um, the, the horror of it is kind of the, the, the situation that these kids find themselves in. Yeah. So it's about, I mean, just for those of you who haven't seen, yeah. uh, what was the Spanish title? Did you? S- yes. Um, I found that interesting. The Spanish title is Vuelven, which means they come back. Okay. Because I saw, when I saw it, I was like, well, I know that doesn't say Tiger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I I thought, oh, okay. Maybe they didn't, maybe they didn't want to call it They Come Back because it's too close to Sometimes They Come Back. Yeah. Or or these other sort of English language movies. That makes sense. But it, it seems, it it makes sense for, for the context of, of their story. Yeah. So it takes place in... In Mexico, in a town where so many adults have been either murdered or or bar- brought into sort of human trafficking, right? Uh-huh. That a lot of the children are left to just sort of live on their own. Yeah. That's kind of where we start, right? Right. 
Yeah, I mean, there's so many orphans and it's, you know, the, the, the movie opens with some statistics of how many people have disappeared or been killed by the cartel. And in this particular neighborhood, because like it's Mexico City and Mexico City is vast. It's huge, 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 huge. huge. And so it's a it's like a suburb Mm -hmm. of Mexico City. And um, where this particular gang called the Huascas, which I don't know what that means. I'm going to have okay. to go look it up, um, are in control. And so many people have disappeared or, or outright been killed. And, they're, they're, and then the, the statistics that they give at the beginning of the movie says there are no numbers for the children. Right. Like they, they, you can't count. We don't know how many children have either been killed or have been left orphaned or right. are just gone. Gone. And so we start in school. These kids mm-hmm. are in school and their teacher. In, and I did think this was like very, very sort of traditional classic horror, right? Yeah. Our, our teacher figure is telling these kids about fairy tales. Right. Um. And they start naming things, essentially elements of fairy tales. And they're mm-hmm. like, you know, genies or three wishes or princes and princesses. princesses yeah. And tigers. Um, so I had a question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, is the tiger a figure in sort of Mexican folklore or is that something more specific to the movie? Um, I think that that is something more specific to the movie. I will tell you that in Mexican, like Mesoamerican uh, mythology and tradition, the jaguar is is more present. Okay. Um, Yeah, there are a lot of um, like glyphs that uh, are dressed like jaguars, Jaguars. like warriors, because they also talk about warriors. Yes. and there are a lot of, like a lot of Aztec warriors, their headdresses or their helmets or their fetish, for lack of a better term, is a jaguar. Jaguar. Okay. Um, so, so I, yeah. And in this, it's, it's, they choose the tiger, which is cool. And the teacher is like, okay, we're going to all now take those elements that we just named and start writing your own fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And our, our protagonist, Estrella, yeah. starts writing and all of a sudden just like gunfire breaks out mm-hmm. and she's sort of hurts man good god just from the beginning the teacher grabs her and hands her three pieces of chalk and she's like these are your three wishes just focus on that and that kind of starts the like meld of the fairy tale and the the real life sort of horror of things. Right. And I had a question about that. Like, it, you know, I didn't know, I didn't exactly know what the relationship between the teacher and Estrella in particular was. <laughs> but as the story progressed, it like, like that question stopped bothering me and I just kind of accepted it. It was just kind of like the teacher going, here, have these things and focus on this because we're being shot at. We're being shot at, yeah. And I thought, and I think, um, yeah. And I think uh, so. There's a nut. So I know that the term magical realism gets used. I mean, a lot, all the time, right? Especially when you're dealing with Mexican and Latin American work. Um, another term that gets thrown around is is like fabulism, which is work sort of steeped in fables. Oh, and I, I've and never I, heard that before. And I think. If you sort of, if, if you look at this 
almost structured like a fable, the teacher is the the sort of woman who shows up in the woods and says, oh. here's, here's this thing, it'll help you. Uh-huh. And so to me, the idea that we don't really learn more about her, it didn't bother me. I thought like, okay, she's the... She's that element. At that element. Um, and regardless, I, I, I was so fascinated by the character of Estrella and then the, the little boy. Shine it. Yeah. I, man, I just, cause she, they, she, they get out and then they, they, they just cancel school for like. Yeah. The teacher's like school is out until. Yeah. Further so now, notice. Now you have these kids, many of whom have no parents and now they don't even have school. Yeah, the thing that the thing that struck me, like one of the first images that was just kind of like, oh, fuck, was she walks. She's walking home from school and she turns the corner and there's the dead body. Yeah. And there's another group of little kids playing with crime scene tape. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like, like under it or whatever. Dance. This is just a fact of life in their neighborhood. The, the, these are their toys yeah. and she is still kind of taken aback she's i mean they're all children and so they're sensitive and affected but she in a way is still kind of like oh my gosh like there's another thing that she realizes about this whole situation that is fucked up like she knows it's fucked up yeah yeah um, it starts with her story that she's telling right before all the shit breaks out with the guns i thought the sort of like beautiful line and right I don't know if it's a direct translation or, or what it is in Spanish. It is. It was. Is is that we we can't be tigers. Um, she's sort of telling a story about how princes can grow into warriors and tigers. And she's like, we can't be tigers because we've forgotten how to be princes. Right. And I just thought something, I just thought that was just a fucking perfect. I thought it was so beautiful. Line. Yeah. I thought it was so beautiful. Where she's like the whole thing where she goes, once upon a time, there was a prince who wanted to be a tiger because tigers are this and tigers are that. But he couldn't be a tiger because he had forgotten he was a prince. Yeah. And oh, I, it's my God. just fucking perfect. And I think it sets her apart immediately. Like, right. Obviously, she's also a girl amidst mostly boys. But right. other than that, she, and maybe because of that, she seems to have a greater understanding of what has been lost and what has been forgotten and that this world shouldn't be like this. Right. Whereas, and that especially children should not be. <laughs> right. Witnessing it. Some of the boys have clearly like, <clears throat> this is how you live. This is how you survive. They've gone feral. They've, They've gone, gone like, I mean, the first, the, wise. the first thing we see the little boy do um, is steal a gun from a drunk drug dealer drug dealer yeah um and he almost the kid almost thinks about killing him right the kid, yeah the kid is like while while we're hearing estrella's fairy tale mm-hmm. we're watching the little boy his nickname is shine um and he has a scar on his face uh-huh and it's at night and he's watching these two drunk guys walking out of a bar and one of them stops to piss against a wall and pulls his pants down and shine and sneaks up behind him and his cell phone falls out of his pocket and he picks up the cell phone and then grabs the gun from the back of his pants yeah. and you see him for a second like 
want to kill yeah. the drug dealer, but he can't. He can't, but he has and the fight. Yeah. And, and that theft actually sort of sets in motion a lot of the real world stuff. Right. Which coincides with the teacher gives Estrella the chalk and then Estrella from there on out is sort of can talk to the dead. Yeah, it's so great. I loved that scene as she's walking home and she comes across the dead body and she's like, oh shit. And they cover it and you see blood and she, it's in her way, like it's in her path. So she has to turn and go the other way to go home. And there's like a little stream of blood that follows her all the way home. Uh, That was chilling. Yeah. And, and, I God, I mean, visually, that's what I think I loved a lot about this is that I read a little bit about Issa Lopez. I didn't know who she was. Um, yeah. Because I think visually as a director, she's doing some incredible things. I also mm-hmm. saw that she was, um, she's a, a, a award-winning novelist in Mexico as well. Oh, okay. And that kind of made sense to me. Yeah. I, I think just what she's doing visually is very filmic and all that and beautiful. But I also just thought the way she was sort of unfolding the story was felt more like a novel to me than a lot of movies. Right. Right. I like that that she's, she's mixing like film and animation together. Together. I mean, the little stuffed tiger. Oh my God. Which was so simple, but fucking awesome. Oh my God. That broke my heart. Yeah. Oh, it was so beautiful. So, okay. So she goes home and they're poor. You can tell that it's just her and her mom living in this apartment, trying to make their way. In this crazy ass part of town where people are getting killed all the time. Right. And her mom isn't home. And you kind of feel like, oh, well, she's a latchkey kid. You know, she's waiting. Yeah. But her mom never gets there. Mm -hmm. Her mom never comes home. And it's just her waiting and waiting and waiting. And she calls her mom on the cell phone and she's like, I'm hungry. Where are you? Please call me. And uh, she never comes home. Never comes home. And uh, is that when she makes her first wish? Yeah. I th- yes. And, and it's, it's also when she, she hears her mother. She doesn't quite understand it yet. Right. But I think we know, oh, the the dead are talking to her. Right. She just thinks she's talking to her mom. Right. She's, right. She, she even tells um, her friend like, oh no, my mom came home last night. And, and the he's little like, boy's like, no man, your mom's dead. Your mom's dead. And for, she did talk to her mother, but it, it's because now right. she can talk to the dead. Yeah. It's like, it ta- uh, like uh, it's a whole day or two days. I don't know how long it is, but she finally, she takes the first piece of chalk and she goes, I, I want, please bring my mom back. I want yeah. my mom to come back. And her mom comes back. Comes back. Yeah. And that kind of like, man, sets off this whole, and she's this whole like somewhat fair, like fairy tale journey, right? She has mm-hmm. to go essentially kill the ogre or the bad witch, right. or whatever you want to call it. And in this movie, it takes the form of clearly the head of a cartel. Tackle. Also a fucking politician. Yeah, yeah. So she goes, she gets scared. Fuck, man. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. She gets scared because shit starts going down in her house that she doesn't understand. understand. It's her mom. It's the ghost. Yeah. It's yeah. the voices of the dead. 
and she grabs a little suitcase, <laughs> her lunchbox, and puts clothes in it. And she goes and she finds the little boys uh, led by, it's this gang of four little boys led by this, the one little kid with a scar on his face and his name, his street name is Shine. Yeah. Um, and there's two, three other little boys with him, um, Pops, Tucci, and Moro. Right. And Moro's the baby. Moro's the one that's always carrying. And tiger. yeah, when we hear, when we meet them, we immediately get the idea that Shina is is the leader of this little gang, but he's he's he takes care of them. He yeah. really takes care of them. He feeds them. Yeah. He tells them stories to go to sleep. Yeah. Um, I I love the part where they're all eating their cup of noodles. He has somehow found cup of noodles, yeah. and the baby is taking the peas out of the wow. cup of noodles, yeah. and Shina's like. Eat your fucking peas. Those yeah. are your veggies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's like, he, I don't like peas. He's like the big brother father yeah. figure. And he's what, 12? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so she goes to them and they're like, get the fuck out of here. You're a girl. Yeah. Um, girls don't belong in our gang. Right. Which and that's a child. Yeah. Little boy thing to say, you know. And the, the and Shine is like, girls are bad luck. Mm-hmm. Bad luck. You're not welcomed. And so she kind of like sticks close by because she doesn't know where else to go. She's got nobody. She's got nobody. And in the middle of the night, the baby of the group comes over and hands her a little animal cracker (laughs) and she's starving. So she eats it. Um, And then the, and then the, the, the drug guy, Gako comes Mm -hmm. looking for them because he knows that the kid has his phone. Phone. Yeah. And so we sort of start there. I mean, we don't start there, but like, then it's, it's very sort of like fairy tale. Like you have to deal with that guy, the guy above him, and then the kind of ultimate bad evil. Right. Right. And it's like the whole thing is structured really well because we know that the kids in the neighborhood and the people are dealing with this drug gang in their Mm -hmm. neighborhood. And throughout amidst this, like on top of all this, there's an election. Yeah. And is, it, is his big name like El Chino or something? Yeah. And the guy who's running, his name is like Salvador something or other. He's like, the, his name is, I, I can't remember his name. Uh, but then we learned that politician is known as El Chino. Right. And he is actually the one over the big yeah. boss of the cartel, but people don't know this. Right. Which I thought was like a really awesome touch. Like Right. Because the ads that he runs are oh so my God. fucking perfect. Right. Like, I'm right. here to clean up your town. And you're like, this right. guy is such a fucking evil human being. Yeah. And, and so how, how does it happen? She has to, they have to go, they have to go kill the drug guy. Because the, the first guy, and, and he, the little boy, Shina, blames her. She, he says, right. they came for, for us because you're a girl, which is, you know. Right. So to make up for it, you have to go kill him. And she goes and she gets in there and she d- obviously doesn't want to do this. And then she makes her wish, her second wish. Mm-hmm. And the guy has our, this was, I thought, brilliant because yeah. he's dead in the chair watching TV. Already. And so you're like, did something magical happen or did this fucker just get killed before this right. little girl got there? Right. She's so freaked out. She drops her gun. It goes off. So all the little boys 
they think did it. And she lets and them she, believe it. Right. Yeah. And, because and, she needs protection. She needs, yeah. she needs, this is the thing I had to do. Yeah. I'm going to let them believe it so that I can stay. Yeah. And it does sort of start, start the like, I mean, I mean, some of the the bigger question is, are these wishes real? Is it just because she believes in them? You know, because the little boy keeps saying they're not, there's no such thing as wishes. We're all right. we have. But at the same time, she can clearly talk to the dead. Like she can talk to the dead. Right. And her mom is constant. Like the, the thing that what in, in, in times when she's alone, mm-hmm. she hears her mom's voice and her mom is saying, Estrella, they're coming for you. Mm-hmm. They're coming for you. Go down here. Do this. And then she says, bring them to me. Yeah. Bring them where we are. Yeah. And that's. The- and she's terrified. Like she doesn't understand. And that's the, the sort of journey of the film. And I thought, I mean, that without giving away everything, I, I mean, I thought it was really well done. I thought it was a really powerful yeah. movie. Um, I love that, that once they, once they realize, oh shit, they know, they know we killed him. Yeah. <laughs> we have to go find another place. Yeah. And so they go on this little journey and they find another place to be. And there's, I, I thought you would like the reference to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Where they, they come to this beautiful tower. Uh-huh. And they're like, this is like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And there were those sort of like lovely, fan, true like fantasy moments like that. And then even like the girl, sort of the tower were there. It's like, there's a, a moat around it, you know? Yeah. But it's some shitty little fucking estuary in the city or whatever. Right, but, right. Yeah, it, I, I just thought it was really, really well made. Like a friend, there's a friend journey. Mm-hmm. It, um, it, it was, it was so good. I, I like, I don't, there are some things I have to say that are really upsetting. Absolutely. Happen. I, I fucking cried. I'll just. Admit. Yeah, I did. No, I did too. I, I, I cried. And, um, because part of it too is, is there, there are, Throughout it and through like Estrella, there are these elements of hope, but at the same time, the hope feels unattainable. Yeah. The situation is so bad. Yeah. um, That that it's like, yeah, this little girl, this reliance on magic or something outside of the world might help us, but that thing doesn't, isn't real. Um, So I, yeah, all that, I I mean. Yeah, it's this like, you know. The, the 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 idea of childhood it, where it's like where you do kind of like oh well maybe like a, a fairy princess will come and save me or Ooh. I'll get three magic wishes mm-hmm. and then right next living right next to a broken childhood living right, right next to a, a kid that has seen too much mm-hmm. already and says there's no magic right none right. and I I thought so yeah I think it's a really good a really really f- great movie um is it naturally what i would call a horror movie i don't know i mean it has elements of horror to talking to the dead and those kind of things um and i thought you brought up a question when, when you texted me it was like well what culturally makes horror like what makes something horror in mexico that maybe might not be seen in that genre in america and i thought well, it has those, so I was going to say, I thought it has those sort of inherent um, elements of storytelling that are so prevalent in Mexican art. So that the boundary between the natural world and the, and the supernatural world or unnatural world is, is far 
less than what we sort of culturally use in America. Uh-huh. Um, and so to me is like, oh, well, is that maybe just a horror element there that doesn't necessarily come off as straight up horror here? I don't even know if that question makes sense. Yeah, it's, you know, I found it, there, there is, um, I was trying to think of this because when you and I were texting back and forth and talking about, like talking about the movie within the context of what constitutes horror, I don't even want to say culturally, but like nationally or regionally, mm-hmm. geographically. Geographically, yeah. Um, I'm reminded of... <laughs> And I'm sure I've brought it up in the show before. America's funniest home videos one time, uh, like years and years and years ago. And they were showing clips from the same kinds of shows from around the world. And there was one clip from Egypt. And this was like back in the 90s or 2000s. I don't remember. But there was a clip from an America's funniest home video. Not America's, but like a funny home video from Egypt. Mm -hmm. And... The clip was of a man standing on a corner. He's just kind of standing there waiting for the bus or whatever. And this other man comes up and says, will you hold my briefcase? And the guy goes, okay. And he grabs the briefcase. And then the second guy runs off. And the first guy's like, oh, shit. Like, is there a bomb? And the the Egyptian audience is fucking losing their mind laughing. Wow. And it makes me go, oh, shit, you know. That's not funny here. <laughs> no, I would not know. That's hor- horrifying. But it's something that is so like commonplace. I mean, it's like comedy yeah. and horror are specific to where where you are. To where you are. And I don't think it means it can't translate. Like, but I, I wrote a couple things down. So I, I know that like the term magical realism, one of the reasons you're not a huge fan of it, and I agree with you, is the idea that when you were growing up and that's just realism. <laughs> yeah. And, and magical sort of gets tacked on to delineate a lot of Mexican and Latin American literature um, like that from what like we would call like American or fucking European realism, right? Right. But those elements are a part of Mexican yeah. art. And I was thinking about Mexican Barbaro, Mexico oh, Barbaro. Yeah. And then I was also thinking a lot about when Del Toro still made movies in Mexico before right. he sort of went full Hollywood. Right. Um, and I, those movies are all different, but they do share those elements. Like I was thinking about The Devil's Backbone, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite Del Toro movies and is horror and it is a ghost story. But again, it's also about the horrificness of, of the real world. Yeah, and yeah. The, the thing I kind of love about um, that in Latin American and Mexican literature is that the magic part, quote unquote, doesn't really change. It's the fucking realism part that changes. <laughs> right. And now we've reached a point where I guess some things in in all of the world, but this is specific to Mexico, like some of these situations are so horrifying that any ghost or talking to the dead isn't remotely as scary. Right. 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 No, I, I, you know, my kids and I were, there, there was a, when this started, all of this started happening, like right before we went into shelter in place, before we went into anything, and there were just like whispers of there's a pandemic and there's like right. a weird thing happening. There was a little clip that was making the rounds among among my Mexican friends. 
that like we were sending it to each other and going, I know this is terrible, but, but sure. And, and it's a little clip of like a school program. Like it's like <laughs> some school. I think I showed you it to showed you. Me this. It's yeah. Amazing. And it's like a little kid dressed up like a COVID-19 spore. <laughs> and it's wearing like a little Chinese hat. Yeah, dude. There's a little other little kid dressed like a nurse and they get up on stage and they're dancing together. Uh-huh. And it's at once hilarious, slightly racist, yeah. inappropriate. And, but it's so funny. And like m- m- my family and my, my Mexican friends, like we all think it's so funny. And I was talking to my, my kids about it, Isa and Dante. And it's like, why do we do that? Like, why are we that funny? And Isa was like, what could you possibly do to us? That's yeah. scary. Right. I mean, you, what could you, you possibly do that's going to scare us. How many, you know, different nations came and fucked. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, exactly. And still I'm like, I guess so. It's still, and it's, it's, yeah, I think, I think you're right. It's such a, it's such a complicated topic to, to talk about. But I was also reminded a lot of Mexico Barbaro and like how, especially in that this movie, and I wanted to talk about this and how you thought about it, unspoken rules in filmmaking that involve children and yeah. violence. Man. She doesn't care. She does not care. And it's not a gory film podcast land. It's not gory. But the things that the children are involved in and are witness to are are beyond what I think we would call the like... You would never see that in an American film. No, no, you would not. Um, God, I mean, I remember remember even seeing an interview with uh, John Hamm about Mad Men. And right. saying that whenever Sally, the, Kieran Shipka, who's now like 20 or whatever, but at the time in Mad Men, she was a little girl. There are a lot of scenes in Mad Men where Don Draper is cheating on his wife and his daughter walks in, uh-huh. um, Kieran Shipka. And, and John Hamm said they would obviously like film the scene with he and the woman he was having an affair with. And then they would bring a little girl in and she really would have no idea what scene she was walking into. And she would right. come in and they, they would never put a kid. And I'm not saying this director put these children in bad situations, but like there's such a separation here of like, oh, we could never, like we can't put a gun in a child's hand unless we're going to learn a lesson from it. Right. That's not the fucking case here. No. Or the lesson is maybe you got to fucking kill the drug dealer. I don't know. Yeah, like, I mean the kid. The kid has every intention of of using it. Uh huh. And and you as a watching it, I f- I found myself at times going do it. Sure. Do it. What is what is your option? Yeah. Yeah. And and maybe that it maybe that is what the horror is. I, there's also and I I mean this might just be my own sort of I don't know living in a bubble of the kind of things I watch, I feel like she hits on, and in Mexican Barbaro, there's a couple of, of the little episodes as well. I feel like she hits on the real world horror of things in a way that we do not see in American movies. Yeah. Because that is not to say it's an absurd and fucking horrifically racist thing to say that, well, that's Mexico. 
like there are, are neighborhoods and areas of the United States that are are dealing with similar the exact same thing, issues, yeah, and all over the world. Um, we just don't show it. Don't show it, and I think that as an American audience member, as American viewer, um, that is absolutely shocking. And then more shocking to like, well, why don't we? And that's not. Yeah. And do you think, I mean, do you think it's because we're still very much a Protestant country? Yes. I think that's part of it. And I also think, because that's not to say that some, there, there are really incredible American filmmakers trying to expose shit about our society. Right. However, there does seem to be in our industry, a movie has to look a certain way or it's not going to fucking get money. Or right. it's not going to get made. And this movie, which is really well made, is, quote, I hate this word, but gritty, but actually gritty. Actually not, gritty. Not, look at this fucking filter I use to make it look gritty, you know? Yeah. Um, these kids look like kids. Uh, even El Chino, who's a good-looking guy, it yeah. looks like a dude. They look like people. Yeah. And yeah. Then, it's so, it's just rare. I also think maybe it's because the way we treat independent film here is different. Like, it's just hard to get mass release or something. Right. Well, I mean, Mex- the Mexican government is very supportive of independent film. Um, <laughs> and, you know, who knew? Oh, yeah. Like, they actually they actually do give money. There are grants available. Right. Which, through the through the federal government right. for which is, artists, which makes a kind of makes such a huge difference, and and I think we saw that in Ireland as well. There's some right. really great independent Irish horror films coming out, and it's right. because they can get government support. And it's like that's 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 not to say that you know the end of this movie. I'm not I'm not going to ruin it. It's kind of a happy ending, yeah. sure, sure, but it, it's. It really is earned. Uh, yeah. It is absolutely heartbreakingly earned. And even in that moment, I still, in my mind, I was like, but... But is it? But is it? Like, but look what's happening. Yeah, that's why I, I thought it was fucking great. And it started me thinking, I, I wrote down some stuff about the idea of, in horror, how much whatever is sort of inherent geographically in storytelling comes into it because we, we sort of talked about elements of of mexican storytelling but i mean you go back to like Lorca, and then you look at like paintings of Ka, like this idea that the the natural world and the the supernatural there's not that huge line so i started thinking about italy and italian horror yeah my people yeah and I was like if you look at how much the art form of opera has had an effect on Italian storytelling. Oh my gosh. And then you so go cool. and look at Italian horror, not all of it, of course, but heavily in the 70s and but 80s. a lot of it. Yeah, Mario Bava and Argento and then people after them. Even if you look at Coppola, who's two generations removed, you see how much opera, opera. That is so has. true. Yeah. And so I think it, it is something about older forms in different regions or areas that do, whether consciously or not, just become a part of, of that area's storytelling. Yeah. In Italy, to me, it's even funnier, like if you go way the fuck back to like Commedia, there is always in Italy, in Italian sort of storytelling, this larger than life representational mm-hmm. kind of thing. 
Mm-hmm. In commedia, these aren't real people. They're representative. They're huge. They're big. And opera is kind of like that. Yeah. Um, and so that becomes part of Italian horror. Whereas if an American made something, like, I don't even know if they fuck, if they could pull off what Argento is able to pull off. No, I, I agree. That's why, I think that's why America is like the home of, of um, mumblecore. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because, and it's like, maybe the reason I find, and, and it prevails in all kinds of storytelling. Like it, it goes... It goes not just horror movies or whatever, but it's like it, it, in specific regions. That's just how you tell the story. That's how you that tell you're talking story. about, like, because if you look at Mexican telenovelas, <laughs> they're over the top crazy, and there's magic also in them, right? And just kind of like unbelievable, right? And when magic things, and when that thing, like, do you remember? Oh my god, do you remember the show? The soap opera Passions. Yes, I the, do. Okay. So when they that was like a thing, right? Yeah. Like, there's magic in this one, and but it was like a fucking thing and kind of a right. joke, but everyone also sort of watched it. Uh-huh. Cause it was so uncommon. Even as ridiculous as our soap operas are, that's yeah. uncommon. Yeah. Whereas in telenovelas, it's, it's not. It's not. <laughs> yeah. It, it happens. There's like one of my favorite ones is called El Clon, which means the clone. Great. <laughs> I don't know. And it involves it involves gypsies, belly dancers, uh-huh. and and cloning technology. <laughs> I don't know. What was the pitch meeting on that? <laughs> I have no I have no idea. But it was like all of like gypsies, um, Middle Eastern belly dancers, and, and and cloning technology all mixed up. That's fantastic. It was very, very, very popular. Yeah. Very popular. I, I mean, I, I think that's just, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just part of it. Like if you, I was like going backwards. Cause I mean, when I was thinking about this, I was like looking at um, blood wedding, which is one of my favorite yeah. plays. I don't think he had two thoughts about. No element like it was just part of the fucking story no not at all i mean it's like lorca's plays sometimes you get a whole scene where the moon just talks to you yeah and it's like yeah fucking a deal with it i mean it's like there's a really great play it's his unfinished play and it's called the butterfly's evil spell and it just it takes place like it's all bugs it's all insects love it and you're kind of like yeah i i I buy that this is happening right that world I, I I don't not buy it at I mean, all. Yeah, so I think it is just this. It's just part of, and it's funny because you say mumble mumblecore is sort of uh, like you know kind of purely American, right? But like one of my favorite horror movies that I talk about all the time is The Innkeepers, and, and The Innkeepers is so American. It's very American and wonderful. Oh man, I fucking love it. But you have these two clearly privileged, ironic somewhat lazy as fuck protagonists who have nothing better to do right <laughs> than than do this thing that you know look for ghosts in their hotel that's closing right like, so right upper middle class white kid which is how what i am i mean i i know that and so like that movie makes so much sense to me right. i don't have to worry i didn't grow up having to worry about these real life fucking horrors that right. we see in, in Tigers Are Not Afraid. Um, 
And I, I think I think it's um it's American because I feel the same way. Right. I'm exactly. Like, I don't have to worry about that shit. Right. And that that we had to worry about like shit at the mall, you know? Right. Our horror was like, don't go down to the fish hatchery. There's Satanists. <laughs> That's where the Satanists are. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And so I think there is that there's something it was weird. I know I'm all over the place. I was. No, so I was watching this documentary the other night. I actually talked to Issa, talking to, messaging with Issa about it, called Until the Light Takes Us, um, which is a documentary about some of the crazy-ass shit that went down in the Norwegian black metal scene in the 90s. Oh, like, wow. Murder and mayhem and church burning and all this. And they're interviewing these guys, some of whom are fucking terrible people, um, but oddly smart. And one of them, being fucking Scandinavian, talks about art that he's interested in. And he sort of gives props to very talented artists such as Frida Kahlo. Mm-hmm. Because, but Kahlo is coming from a place of fighting against this thing, right? That their country was colonized. These people are still being treated bad. She's, she's rejecting certain things and fighting against certain things. And that's where the power of her art comes from. That's what he's saying. Mm-hmm. He's, he then says, I'm Scandinavian. I, my art is the inch, is, comes from the boredom of not having worry. And, it's, and I'm like, well, yeah, yes. I mean, that makes sense. This kid never had to worry about shit. He grew up in this sort of beautiful, idyllic, fake-looking yeah. fucking town that looks like they're from kind of at the top of the food chain fairy tale book and so he says that's where his his anger is about a lot of what my 90s angst was about you know this like yeah. unseen the man kind of thing you know right and you're like well but your parents are the man dude and you have yeah. oh, you have this nice house and this shit you know and and it was just such an interest and he's kind of a dick so i don't want to say like this guy's awesome like he has some serious fucking issues but it's like that is kind of well said yeah um and oddly self-aware yeah i i i i i think that people need to watch this movie um i think it's really good yeah and whether you think it's scary or not i doesn't matter it doesn't matter and i think the lesson of this week is that that perhaps when you're watching a horror movie from another country right that you have to take into account the the whole culture. Yeah. Yes. Of, I think of, and, and the history of of the people who are making who that are making movie. It. And I right. it's this like, you know, this week a young friend of mine, Facebook friend, I, I don't I don't think I know him, um, asked me for suggestions about what are my some of my favorite recent horror movies. Mm-hmm. And I had mentioned Haunted, that right. Right. The one that that we like. That's what is it, Swedish and Norwegian or something? <laughs> Danish. I think it's Swedish. Yeah. I think it's Swedish. <laughs> I mean. And he, he didn't like it. He sure. didn't like it at all. He was like, it's too slow. Blah, 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 blah. Like he had all these, all these, com- and legit. Legitimate. People like different things. But I, reading his review of it, I was like, oh, I think you missed. There is something so Scandinavian about Haunted. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I do think. Um, that the slowness, the I, starkness. Yes. Is is very much a part of what else do you do when it's fucking frozen? Yeah, and when it's dark half the year, and yeah, I mean, there's there's and and there's also something, and I and we might have talked about this when we talked about haunted, um, which is also insane. Which I was talking to Isa about in in until the light takes us, 
these guys are talking about murdering their friends. They're talking about burning down churches. And they are so polite because they are so Scandinavian. And there is something so refined that I think is part of their culture that we see in Haunted. Yeah. That there's such a lack of, I don't want to say lack of emotion, because that seems like I'm insulting an entire, I don't, they just handle themselves differently publicly than, than, than a lot of people do. And so... Haunted, there's barely any dialogue. Well, there's that whole idea. Like, who, who's the the, the Scandinavian, uh, the, uh, one of the famous actors? Oh, the Skarsgård. The Skarsgårds. Yeah. There was a, a, an interview with one of them who's won like five million Emmys or something like that. Yeah. And um, the interviewer asked him, uh, do, do you have them displayed in your home? Right. And he says, no, not absolutely not. There's, they're put away. Right. And in the language they have a word that actually describes don't show off what you have. Like, don't right. show off too much. Right. So it's it, absolutely part of the culture to hold things close to close. the vest. I mean, and you can see it in, in, in architectural design, and you can see it in... The way they decorate. The way they decorate. Um, these are these minimalistic things. And so, yeah, I do think... And I know, like, look, it's not easy to... I love... I love that anybody is is trying to watch movies not just from here. I I, yeah. I don't mean that to be patronizing. No, no, I think so it's many, wonderful too. So many people don't want to fucking read um, subtitles or have some other weird reason that they don't want to. So I think it's great to because there are. I think there are universal things that work, and then I think there are things like that are so specific to a culture that you should watch their shit, um, and you might learn something, or you might just be like, "Wow, that's fucking weird. I had no idea." Right. Uh, God, even watching a metal documentary, I learned stuff about Scandinavia that I didn't know, you know. So before we run out of time, I just want to give a little bit of trivia. Um, They auditioned over 600 kids. For Tigers Are Not Afraid? Tigers Are Not Afraid. Um, And the kids that they, the the little core group Mm -hmm. that they ended up casting, none of them had any acting experience at all. Before they shot the movie, they did like some improv workshops with the director, mm-hmm. um, but that's all they did. And they shot the movie chronologically. To help the kids? To help the kids. so that the, And the kids never got pages. So they, she really wanted to capture authentic reactions of the children and what was happening in the story. Yeah. Um, so I think everything that you see in those moments that you and I are talking about that are super affecting are absolutely authentic. That's, I, I, that's, the kids were great. They're, fan, they're fantastic. And they carry the entirety of the film. Yeah. Um, there are barely any adult human beings in this movie. And those that are, are only in it briefly, to be honest. Right. Um, that's, wow, that's really kind of brilliant. That it's funny to think how much a difference shooting, especially for a kid who's never been in a movie, Right. How much shooting chronologically would help would would probably help, right? And, uh, so you don't because it's such a weird thing. I mean, even you and I who do this right. a lot, when we would be like shooting our diner scenes, we're like, wait, what the what the fuck just what happened? happening? What just happened? Yeah. Where did we just come from? Right. And so for a kid who's never acted, I mean, I think that's that's a really smart move. Yeah. Um, Go watch. Um, Tigers are not afraid. It's. Yeah. Really stunning. It's affecting. The acting is wonderful. 
The story is wonderful. I really, really liked this one. Me too. And it, it's, um, yeah, like I said, I had a, a very emotional reaction to it, which to me is not a bad thing. So yeah, uh, it's on Shutter, guys. So uh, go get it yeah. on Shutter. You can get if, if you don't have the Shutter, uh, you can get a free seven day trial. And yeah, and that's right. Um, what do you want to watch next time? I think that we should discuss old people. I really want you to watch the taking of Deborah Logan. Okay. Yeah, I need to see. I've been meaning to see it. Okay, so let's let's talk about Deborah Logan. Old, old horror. Um, just, I don't know what that means. Sorry. Just boomer horror, like. But she's like old, old, right? She's old, old. I shouldn't be saying that. I'm older. I'm not that old, man. Are you kidding? Come on, man. You're not. You're not. No, I'm not old. No, this is the. Uh, this, this is. Chrissy, the, if you were running for president, they'd be like, "This kid." Yeah, they'd be like, she's too young. She doesn't have enough experience. I, I think I'm talking about horror that comes from aging. I don't know. No, I think that's great. I think this is a great topic. Um, I have, And I haven't seen it, uh, so I'll check it out. Okay. All right. Hey, man, enjoy the rest of your day. Too. Happy anniversary, y'all. Thank you so much. And uh, I can't wait to see you guys in person. I know. One day. One day it'll happen. All right. Cool. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.